Welcome back to The Marketing Podcast, where we discuss marketing science, case studies that reveal successful marketing techniques, and strategic marketing analysis, where we model the data and turn it into financial forecasts so you have predictable revenue. I'm your host, Brandon White, and this is Marketing. Kyle, what's happening? Hello, hello. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for coming on the show. And for listeners, Kyle emailed me like a week ago. He was going to a conference and was very kind to say he wasn't going to have a mic. And he probably, from communications, know how sensitive I am about having a good mic. So thanks a lot, man. <laughs> it was it was a tragic moment. I have a travel mic that is actually, it's only about this big, but it I brought the wrong cord. <laughs> it looked it looked like the right cord, but it was the wrong cord. And so I'm very sorry about that. Well, it's easy day. I actually think it's good because you went to this SEO conference and I said, well, Kyle's just going to come back with more information for the show. So it was all a good thing, right? Yeah, bring in all the tips. Bring in all yeah, the right. tips. Well, for our listeners, we're going to do a little masterclass on SEO. Kyle's an expert. I learned about you because as a, I don't know. Do they call us like aficionados now in the SEO or do they call us experts? I don't know. But trying to figure this shit out, Kyle actually ranked in some competition that you were on a site in the top. You sort of became actually the word notorious, which I'll let you talk about with Google. But you ranked a site that made no sense with the Latin default, basically, that WordPress puts up there. Yeah, the uh, lorem ipsum. So it was a few years back and there was a, a public competition and a Facebook group called SEO Signals Lab. Anybody could enter. The rules were you had to have a brand new site and uh, you had 30 days. So it was, a, it was a real sprint. But after that, you could just do anything you want. It was kind of like the old school UFC, like no holds barred. <laughs> any, any technique you have, you can do and let's see who can do it. And um, I entered with my team and I think 27 professionals entered or at least people who were confident enough to, to enter. And at the end of the, the month, only seven sites even indexed. And the guy that won, who's actually now a good friend of mine, he was on page eight, and I think we were on page nine, and we, we took fifth in the competition. But two weeks later, we went to the first page of Google, and about two weeks after that, we hit number one in Google. Two weeks after that, then we knocked out the knowledge panel, or we knocked out the maps, and we were the knowledge panel and uh, for the term. And people really lost their minds. And the reason they lost their minds is because we wrote the entire site in lorem ipsum, fake Latin text. But we did it to prove the point that it comes down to math. So we did the math on how many times we needed the target term, how many times we needed its variations, how many times we needed contextual terms. And we quite crassly copied and pasted them into the lorem ipsum in very specific areas to show that while you do need good copy to get people to convert, to do what you want them to do when they come to your page. When it comes to rank, a good copy has nothing to do with rank. It comes down to satisfying Google's algorithm, and, and, and that's how you can rank very well. Did you go and reverse engineer the original top three look at keyword density, or were you using a tool? And I mean, there's as much... I've been doing this since 1996. There's as much science as there is art in this thing. And I know people don't like that, but the, I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts on that and you can talk about it, but there is a little bit of art. Like, 
ah, it just doesn't feel right. And, and you get to say that because you've seen so much data and you've seen results happen. Well, I can touch on that a little bit. <laughs> I would say it's mostly math. It is mostly well, you science. you can totally disagree with me. If you don't disagree, then this is going to be absolutely horrible, Kyle. And I mean, listeners just, are just a little right bit, a little bit. <laughs> what I have found, especially when it comes to on-page, when it comes to what you put on your site, the secret is hiding in plain sight. Google shows you the sites that it likes for certain terms. And so it is in your best interest to go and look at those sites and see what they are doing. And I built an on-page tool, which actually originally, and I think we had the tool at the time, now that I think about it, but it was, it was very young. But initially in our agency, we were actually doing this by hand. We were going through the top 10 sites and we were actually writing down by hand the terms they were using in specific places. Not every place on a page is, is equal in Google's eyes. There are places that Google looks for terms and those are more important than other terms. I can tell you right now, the top four places to put a target keyword are the page title, that's your title tag, the H1, you should only have one H1, and it should be at the top of your page, in paragraph tags, that's the main content of your site, or the page, and then the URL. Those are the top four places. That's been, in when I've been testing Google since 2015, that's what it was then, that's what it is now. And the dirty secret of SEO is that if you were to do that, you've probably done 60% of SEO right there. You will beat most of your competitors. You will rank for most low competition terms, even median competition terms. And uh, I think a lot of SEOs don't want to tell you that because they want to make money by telling you that it's mystical and magical when really a lot of it comes down to just hitting those basics and you do very well in SEO. Well, I want to thank you for sharing that. It's one of the reasons I had you on the show. I listened to other shows that you've been on and keeping it real. Quite candidly, I think I get to say this, Kyle, after few decades on the internet and doing SEO and and having this thing. There's this thing for humans. It's called wishful thinking. So you get approached with everything from SEO gurus who you think are better than you are or better than anybody. And this happens with everything. I mean, it's just not SEO. It's everything. And then you're like, and then you pay the money and you invest the time and then it never pans out. And I think that in a lot of ways, agencies got it have gotten a really bad rap. And I actually think some of the people, there's some young people who are good that I've seen, but there's also a lot of people who shouldn't be doing it. And there's too many people selling the idea that you build an agency. Like that's actually the business. You see all these ads on Instagram and I'm going on a little bit of tangent, but I feel like I can with you because you're an expert in SEO. And I mean, this is, this is what people don't want to talk about, but the four things that you just described quite candid candidly, other than I would add a fifth one since 1996, have, and there was a 96 to 99 time frame when actually what you just said didn't matter. And the only reason it didn't matter, Kyle, was because all you had to do was contact the person because all those directories were actually done by hand. DMOZ, mm -hmm. even Yahoo originally was done by David and Jerry. I mean, they were- Alphabetical, alphabetical. Yeah, alphabetical and category. Yahoo yeah. sort of turned category yeah. into that. So, but the only thing I would add on that fifth one is the actual URL. And that's what caused me to buy 3,000 domain names at one time. Mm, because I, I found out that, gosh, if I just bought the domain name and I did some like basic things, all of a sudden I'm, I'm not saying I was number one, but I was in the top three on the first page very, very, very quickly. 
And uh, um, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. When I was looking you up a little bit, I was a little intimidated when you said you've been doing SEO since like 96. That is before my time in the industry. And I don't run into a lot of people that have that length of experience. And I get challenged every once in a while. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy for you to challenge me too. But I was like, oh, no, this guy might know some things that I don't. <laughs> I was like, he's all the way back. He might know. He might know. That may be true, but you're smarter than I am. I still... I have seven affiliate sites that I experiment with. I, I still have, I think GoDaddy, I've been switching my domain names to Cloudflare lately, contacted me and they're like, Hey, you have 300 domain names. Like that's a lot. And I said to them, that's not like, you must be not in the industry. I mean, back in the day, we all had hundreds or thousands of thousands on thousands. Yeah. And it was, it was cheaper. It was, and it was worth it. I still think, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I still think the domain name, the actual domain name, not putting the title like you have said after the forward slash, but I actually think the domain name, as long as you've bought it for at least two years or it has history, carries weight. What do you think? I don't even think you need the history of the time. EMDs, exact match domains still work. I mean, that's still very, very useful. Very, get you right in. It is a fast track for, uh, for ranking, for sure. So you do this competition, and actually for listeners, I'm just going to mention this. I don't want anybody who's a marketing person who tuned in won't want to hear this or care that much, but you're actually a lawyer, right? In a previous life, I was a lawyer. (laughs) I am still licensed. That is very true. I was a trial attorney. I practiced law for four years in Virginia. I did um, criminal defense, like small stuff, and uh, divorce, custody, and support, and I hated it. <laughs> it was kind of what I realized. I kind of had a moment, like a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I am doing the sexiest thing you can do. I'm in court every day. I get to run around. I really don't have a time schedule. The office isn't calling me to do anything because I'm in court, you know, I'm, and I'm meeting with clients and you go to the jail and you, you have other meetings here and there and, and you're doing all that. And I was like, this is the pinnacle of the job and I am miserable. I need to figure something else out. And, uh, Fortunately, I, I quite luckily fell into SEO. We can get to that story if you like. But uh, as as far as a lawyer goes, I am still licensed in Virginia, but I'm quite happy that I'm not going to do that. I don't think I'm at the point in my career where I'll ever be going back to it. Well, I, I read that about you, and I think it actually does make sense, especially since you were a trial attorney, and, I, and, and maybe applies to all, but there is strategy when you do that where you implant quote-unquote keywords key messages at the right time, at the right moment, and you do this stuff. So do you think that that's brought over, you've been able to bring over some of those ideas into SEO? I think the analytical thinking that you get through law school and as an attorney, for sure, is really the ultimate goal is we are here and we need to get to there in law. And how can we research this to get the the uh the ideas that we need in order to make the argument to go. And and it's extremely similar in in SEO. We are here. We need to get there. Now we need to research this thing. We need to find the right terms. We need to find the right structure. We need to put this together to get from here to there. And uh, the analytical analytical thinking that's needed for both, I think, is extremely similar. I don't regret one minute of my training in in law school or my four years as as a trial attorney. Even though I, I was miserable, I don't think I would be the person that I am today without it. I also think I do public speaking. I do, you know, obviously podcasts and shows like that. And I think when you're in court and you're standing in front of the judge and the attorney over here makes an argument and I look at it like, 
that's a pretty good argument. I, I totally agree with that. But you've got your client over here. And then the judge goes, counselor, your turn. You can't really say like, oh, I agree with that. I thought that was pretty good. You now have to say something that's actually pretty well put together for this person over here. I'm like, we, your honor, good. <laughs> like you, you can't do that. So you have to come up with something that actually makes sense that actually represents your client. And you have to do it on the fly. And you have to think about it very quickly. And in those situations, I think that has really helped me with these types of situations and, and being in on, on shows and stuff like that. And then also doing the public speaking that I do. I don't think I would be as effective in those situations without that four years of, of terror <laughs> walking into court. But the best part, I have to remind myself, on bad days, I have to remind myself, at the end of the day in SEO, no one goes to jail. No one loses their children. <laughs> no one. Well, you sort of didn't. You sort of go to jail when when you basically mocked Google and they blocked you. Maybe I went to Google jail. So after that competition, after we did that, about three months later, there was an article written about it. A Google ranks site in Latin. In that article, they posted my name and they posted the site, and they didn't ask me for a comment. <laughs> but I mean, why would they? But in the article, they said that I did this to make fun of Google which is entirely untrue. I did it to make fun of people like the person that wrote the article that said, well, all you need is good content. About six hours after that came out, my site was de-indexed, which I think is completely fair play. But that night when I was asleep from like 1.15 to like 1.25 a.m., 20 of my test sites were de-indexed. And they had nothing to do with the competition site. They weren't interlinked in any way. They weren't interlinked with each other. They were on different hosting. They were on different platforms. They all had different things. So it was completely punitive. It was Google going in and, and making a statement about about what I did. In the moment, it was not fun. And it was it was a bit disconcerting. But when I was able to think about it for a second, I realized Google just validated everything I was doing. If I was talking nonsense, if I had gotten lucky, they would have rolled their eyes and moved on. But the fact that I showed people how you can learn something about the algorithm and how you can actually take this and apply it and actually understand what the algorithm is doing, that really got the, to them. You know? And then as a result, they went after it. So I joke with my friends, it was kind of like the, the scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan says, strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. It, it was just like that. They, they, they tried to strike me down and, and that just elevated me to levels beyond probably what they were really hoping. <laughs> and, then, and then I can come on like shows like this and tell that story and be like, hey, actually, this still works. This is still a thing. And and uh, this is how I teach people how to do SEO. I want to hold that thought and listeners are going to get, marketing listeners probably get mad at me for a second, but how did you go from wall just quickly? I can't let that go. For people who, who haven't heard you before, you, you went from wall to SEO. Like that's a, it's not logical jump. Nor, nor, the, nor were the steps in between. My wife was also an attorney. Uh, we weren't married at the time, but we were together. And um, she was doing really heavy stuff. She was doing rape, robbery, murder. And she had just actually been promoted to the violent felony team. And she came home one day and, and she was like, you know, I really want to quit my job. And I was like, no problem. I understand. I'm, I'm burnt out too. Why don't, we, why don't you work for like three months? Because that, that promotion came with a raise. So I was like, let's bank the money. No problem. And then she goes, let me rephrase. I just quit my job. And... <laughs> I was upset because I was about to quit my job and I was going to depend on her to work. So we were both kind of at the point that we really didn't want to do anything, at least in law. And she was online one day and a little ad popped up that said, like, teach English in Croatia. And she was like, would it be crazy if we went overseas and taught English? I was like, that would be crazy. And I was like, 
started researching. And I found that the three places that looked the best to do that were Taiwan, Korea, and Japan. And we ended up kind of weighing all the options. We ended up going uh, with a program in Korea called Epic. And so the next thing I know, I am in Gangwon-do, which is a province in the northeast corner of Korea. We're in a town with 20,000 people. We actually teach outside of town. Town's the big town. We actually teach outside of town in this small little village. And uh, I'm teaching English to kindergartners, which was absolutely amazing. But it was it was a nine to three job. It's like, I don't have to take anything home. They're like, no, you take, you take nothing home. And our plan of a one-year sabbatical turned into five years. While we were there, we ended up starting a business. And that business required a website that was very complex. And I thought, you know what, most of the websites on, on the internet are not this complex. And I had to go through all these devs to find a team that could actually do it. And I was like, we could probably, I could probably general contract websites. And so that's what I started doing. Basically, I had this really tight team and I was basically bidding on, on jobs and then kind of general contracting it. I brought my brother into that business. He does web design and development. And then we got the bright idea of opening a company in India. I was like, you know, we've got all these Indian developers. Why don't we just go to India? We could open up a company there. We could bring them into the office. We're going to get more production out of them. It'll be more cost effective. So that's what we did. We were told that we we're going to get a shakedown from the police because that's how it works. And so my brother was in India at the time. I was not. I was in the U.S. And there's a knock at the door. It's the police. And they say, oh, we need to see your, your business papers. And he shows our business papers. And they say, these are the wrong papers. And he goes, okay, now, how much do you want? And instead of asking for the bribe, they put him in handcuffs and throw him in jail. And he's there. He's talking to the chief of the police. And the chief of police says, these could be the right papers. I don't know. You have two choices. One, you can leave town tomorrow. Two, you can wait in jail for the magistrate to come and the magistrate will sort this out. And my brother goes, well, when does the magistrate come? And the chief of police says, I don't know. So he goes, I'll leave town tomorrow. So he leaves. Obviously, our employees have fled. They don't want to be involved in this. We get him back to the U.S. and we're hemorrhaging clients because we can't service them. And my brother says, I can take these four clients because he can do code. He can develop, you know, you can handle those. And I don't code, but we had just started this thing that I heard about called SEO. And in order for me to pay the rent next month, I needed to learn SEO that day. And that's basically what I did. And I learned enough to keep those clients. And then it turns out I was pretty good at it. I was able to get more clients. I eventually met my business partner. We started the agency, but that was a, pretty crazy time to go like it was that was a wild time like when you look back at like it's a fun story to tell now but in the moment it was uh rather stressful but in the end it turned out to be one of the best things for me well in moments tough moments are when i think amazing things can happen and i think sometimes you you know sometimes they happen and you don't have control and you think it's the worst thing ever but in the end i think it can turn out positive and it did for you so I appreciate you sharing that story. I knew you, there was a story there. And just for listeners, I wanted to at least bridge it because if we left that hanging, I don't know. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. And I was very curious. Can I give one little shout out? This part of the story that I never tell is that when in the darkest moment of that, I was talking, I was thinking about going back to law. And my wife, had she was at work and she came back and I was like, should I just go back to Virginia? We weren't in Virginia at the time and, and just do that. Unbeknownst to me, she had actually gone out and gotten a second job that day, waiting tables. And she said, no, this is too much of an opportunity. This is too good. 
Like we need to ride this out and see how it goes. And so she worked as a waitress in addition to her other job for six months for me to get the business back on track. And, uh, I can say with certainty, we, we wouldn't be here talking like this uh, without what she put in. I would probably be a very unhappy lawyer back in Virginia right now, but for her taking that initiative and seeing the opportunity and, and then, and then doing what she did. Well, I appreciate that. And thanks to your wife for that. I think, and thanks for bringing it up. I think that I try to bring this up and I'm glad you did is that in business, we could easily get through this whole show and 50 other discussions on topics about how people started their company and how they got great at what they did and not mention your significant other, whoever that is. But there's an enormous amount of sacrifice. As you were saying that, I can remember my wife, Yvette. I mean, we've been together 27 years. And that first company, I literally took her Apple LC 475 computer and moved it to my desk. And she worked every day, nine to five. And when we first were together, she was a social services person who was doing child enforcement, which is just a really hard job terrible stories and people literally calling her for jail. Most of the fathers saying, Hey, you just put me in for jail. You just put me in jail for missing child support. And she's like, yeah, your kid needs to eat. I mean, and she did that every day for nine to five. I think, I think until we got something going, well, until we got some money <laughs> and you know, those, those things, those stories aren't tell, there's aren't told as much. There's probably a whole book maybe even a whole podcast you could do series on partner sacrifices. I'm not a huge fan of business self-help books at all, but, but one that I can recommend is uh, Scott Galloway, The Algebra of Happiness. And in that, he kind of t- explores the concept of how you can try to be a high wealth earner at the same time of having a satisfying life. And the one, th- one thing he talks about is one of the, the clearest indicators of how much money you can make, like what your ceiling is, is your partner and that that person needs to be completely aligned with the ideas of how you're going to be making money. And, you know, you and I are, are in this weird space where we make money online. It's a bizarre, super bizarre <laughs> concept. My mother still has no idea what I do. I, I just tell her computers, but you have to have somebody that's completely aligned with what your goals are and what you're doing. And that is how you can then not really have a ceiling, or at least you can get as far as you can go. And I think before understanding that concept or even hearing that concept, my wife really demonstrated it by getting a job waiting tables, which is not terribly fun. But, but you're like, right. But like that's what, as you said, a lot of people don't talk about those kind of things. It's it's easier to tell a story that I was here, we had hard times, and now we're at good times. But um, that those kind of dips in between are, are maybe where the more interesting stories are. But a lot of people want to skip over that. They do, and I appreciate you sharing. I'm I'm a Scott fan, although recently he's annoyed me. But I think he has a few cocktails at night when he writes some of the emails. So I don't read any of his emails. I've only read the book, so that's all. Yeah, I read his emails. I wrote him back the other day. I was like, "Hey, get off this kick!" But he is. I mean, Scott's been there since day one. He did a company in the internet on Wave One. Yeah, that's that's Sequoia backed, and he's been through a lot. And I think he has some good lessons. So back to SEO, you're a lawyer, you're a trial lawyer, you're practicing law in Virginia. You and your wife basically get burned out. You move to teach English in Korea. One year turns into three, turns into five. You start 
building websites. Basically, your brother gets thrown in jail in India. Everybody in India flees because, of course, they're scared because they live there and they want to be associated with you. And you come back, your business is on the rocks, and your brother decides that you can keep four clients because he can do some coding and you're going to offer SEO and basically learn SEO in a day, very short time period. And from there, sort of go off and running. I want to come back to something that we talked about earlier when I mentioned that SEO is an art and a science. And you pushed back and said, well, it's actually just math. So I've been thinking about that while you were talking. And here's what I would offer why I say that. I believe you're 100% right. It's a lot math. However, the art is actually writing something that's useful so that when someone comes to the page and lands on it, it doesn't look like a math equation that got you ranked. I think it's a fair statement. The thing I push back on uh, when people talk about like SEO copy and say good copy or convertible copy, in my mind, those are, are really one and the same. If you can't write good copy that really satisfies the math, you're just not writing good copy. That's kind of what it comes down to. You missed the point. You know, there are a lot of tools that will help you do your, with your counts and all that. And what I've found is that you don't want to start with those tools. What you want to do is figure out your title and figure out the sections on, on, on your page and then give that to your writer and say, just answer these sections. They should, in answering whatever the questions are or the topics of those sections, then you run it through a tool. They should be pretty close to the counts that you need. And if they aren't, then they're really not good at writing. You know, they've just missed it. And really at that point, what it should be is that it's editing slightly for SEO at that point, getting maybe a few more terms here or there in different places. But really what you find is that if they haven't satisfied kind of what the count should be, they really didn't write good copy. You know, they really missed whatever the topic was. So I think that is the intersection of SEO content and good content. Where I think you can go is that it's important to understand that SEO is a game of probability. You can do everything right and still miss in SEO. Good SEO really only hits, in in my experience, about 50% of the time. You can think that's a coin flip. People actually could have made decisions all the other way and maybe have been as, as successful. Most SEO, for people just off the street that throws up, they're probably right one out of three times, something in the 30 to 40%. And it's easy to see why people get really upset in SEO, right? Why, why they get really frustrated. I can tell you why I think I'm an SEO expert is that I'm right more than 70% of the time. But that means I'm wrong maybe 20% of the time, 30% of the time. And that's just part of what this game is. But the key is to do things that are repeatable. And they're repeatable enough so that you know that if you do them enough times, you're going to be right in that 70% of the time or maybe 80% of the time. And that's put you extra. As long as you can beat the 50%, you're going to beat your competitors. You're going to beat every site that you're going up against in terms of you launch a page, they launch a page. So the goal is to find a framework where you can do repeatable things over and over and over again so that you know that you have the highest chance of success. You kind of need to get into that range success isn't a single point. It's a range of outcomes. And you need to do enough things that you know that if you do those enough times, you will get into that range. But you have to kind of remove the burden of perfection because that doesn't exist in SEO. 
you won't be right every time, but you can be right maybe 70 or 80% of the time. And that's actually what, what an expert is. And if you can just get to above 50, it's kind of like gambling. If you can be right 54% of the time in gambling, you're actually a very successful gambler. It's the same thing in SEO. That's probably the number. If you can probably get above 54% in SEO, you're, you're crushing it. You will beat all your competitors. So that's the, that's maybe where people see the art part of it, where you just, you aren't going to be right every time. You know, you will, you will miss, even if you do it exactly correct. So that's probably where that art feeling comes from, or things aren't quite as you do this, you get that outcome because it isn't that, but you have to get yourself in the position that you're doing enough things right more times than not. And then uh, that's where success in SEO comes from. Yeah, I think that I agree with what you said. And I, I just think that people who are good at it take what you said for granted, which is set up the questions, give it to the writer. And if the writer doesn't do it, they're not a good writer. Well, that, you know, for someone listening who's new at SEO, who, who may want to try it themselves, you know, that, that, that can be hard, but I think you and I tend to agree. And I will readily admit that having done it so long, that there's this human bias of wanting to believe that you have a little bit more magic than possibly <laughs> you may have. So no, I think you're probably better at the most. I mean, Think about all the pages you have launched throughout your career, right? Intuitively in launching those pages and watching how they perform, you are going to be better than most. You've seen what works. You've seen what, what doesn't. And, you, and your hit rate is going to be much higher than the average person just out of the gate. I mean, for sure. You have to. You can't have been in the game this long without having found some success. So obviously, you're doing things exactly right. And I'm sure you don't need any tool to tell you what to do because I bet your gut instinct or or just how you feel it should go is probably right dead on. Could be right, but make no mistake, I still struggle when I'm trying to rank my own sites and I do do keyword density. I do all, this, all the things which I think are really important what you said. And you said that you could get 60% of the way there. And I want to talk about the extra 10 or 20%. But that for me, I can get down, but when you start writing it, and then I think maybe it's what you said earlier, Kyle, which is this trying to get perfect, right? So you're trying to make it sound completely natural, but also then you run it through the tool and you're two keywords short and you, you put them in there and you could say, well, Brandon, you're not quite a good writer. I'm a decent writer. And I think that's where the, the struggle comes from. But with that, Let's talk about a few other things. And then I want to cover, if it's okay with you, sort of modern SEO has, as it relates to the actual page, and you've mentioned this, where it's answering the questions, it's maps, it's also videos now for Google. It's They are closing the loop on their ecosystem to keep time on, quote, unquote, this is air quotes for those not watching, on site, high, meaning whatever Google owns, high. And they definitely, over the last few years, have become less pure. And I think it's driven by, obviously, revenue. It's also driven by the competition where these other places like Facebook and Amazon have their mini SEO ecosystems alone in there that you've got to figure figure out. And they're, at least Facebook and Amazon are completely different. I think that Facebook wants you to go to paid ads, in my opinion. And Amazon wants you to pay for ads, but they also want you to have success because they know if they don't, then you're not going to keep your product on that platform and, and, and they may move. And I think Shopify's effort to have complete site search is going to 
even the playing field as it shakes out. And I'm interested on your thoughts there. But on these other elements, Kyle, do links still matter? Does page length, you know, there was a long time and I bought into it where we did these skyscraper. I mean, I wrote 20,000 words blog posts on this crap. And what I, and I kept hearing this and there was, I mean, Neil Patel's out there. He's very loud. I, I know him tangentially through email exchanges and stuff. And I, I mean, he is obviously very good. And there's some others out there that are louder that are sort of SEO celebrities that are definitely good. Like, make no mistake, these guys are awesome. But I started to follow that trend and I kept seeing like, well, the other pages that I have, I had this one on happiness. Literally, I had this how to be happy. I did it. This is like a stupid experiment on my personal website that had no high domain rank, page rank, whatever you want to call it, just sitting sort of on the side. I write this thing, how to be happy. I do a little research on the keyword and it's literally, I don't know, seven sentences and a graphic that I did tat do right. And all of a sudden I'm getting all this traffic from how to be happy. And I looked at that and I was like, I'm, I'm spending all this time on skyscraper things and it's not happening. That's a long story to say, like, do you still think links matter? Do you still think length of article matters? Length of article, yeah, both for sure. But look to see what Google is rewarding. That's what you need to do. So I've seen people sometimes they've got like a product, right? They're, they're optimizing a page for a product and they're like, I'm not ranking. And they're like, well, what is Google ranking? And you go to the serps for that particular term and Google's ranking articles that are like best of right? The 10 best of that. So you can't try to put an article into a SERP where Google is ranking something completely different. Now that that's, that's the whole point. So look at what's there. And so like, I've seen some people like, uh, I wrote an article that's 500 words and you go in and, and everything's 3,500, like it's hard to compete there. <laughs> you know, like you're going to, going to need to add something and, and, and vice versa to, to your point on the skyscraper. I think they're definitely diminishing returns. You know, if you, if you write something that is 20,000 words and all you really need is 3,000, you're only going to get so much credit, I think. And so there are going to be diminishing returns for going so much more beyond what what is actually being rewarded at the moment. Now, I will say the one thing that you control completely in SEO are the words you put on your page. That's it. Like That's the one thing that you have complete control over. The, what you are presenting to Google is is completely within your power. And so I really do think that if people are like, where should I go in SEO or, or what should I learn in SEO? Like the first thing you really want to get into is, is your, your on page because that is the only thing you have complete control over. And you need to understand what code you have on your site, what the output looks like. A lot, there's a lot of code that doubles word count. You know, they, they, there's the words that you see and then there are the words also in the code. And often there's, there, there are a lot more words than you think that Google is reading, right? So you need to get a good feel for, for what is actually in your site. And you really want to dial that in. But you will get to a point where the sidewalk ends, where on-page can only take you so far. And that's where something like external signals will come in, such as uh, backlinks, to, to, to kind of take you that last few steps to get you onto page one or, or, or move up higher in page one. So on-page, you should definitely dial in because it will do the heavy lifting. It will get you where you need to go for medium to low competition terms, really without the need for backlinks. But you will get to a point where you probably need them for some of your, your heavier terms. But you want to feel good that you have done all that you can, because the more you dial in with the on-page, the less off-page you need. 
The other issue with off-page is that's most susceptible to updates in Google. The idea is that when you when Google gives you credit for a link, it's it's giving you a boost. But while Google can giveth, Google can definitely taketh away. And as soon as Google doesn't like that link, Google will take you back down to where you belong. So you want to do as much as you can to build up the strength of your site, to build up these pages with really out without as many backlinks as possible. So you want to like do um, internal supporting pages for your target pages to build up the strength of your site because those will pass juice up to your target page and it's not susceptible to anything outside that Google might not like because it's all within your site and it's all completely white hat. So dial in your on-page, get your supporting stuff, and then external for sure you have to do, but you want to do as little as possible so that uh, you aren't as susceptible to any kind of Google updates or any changes in Google or even link rot, you know, links go away. Anything you can do to try to get away from as much as that's possible is really, I think, the main goal. Is the dialogue around that you can't beat a page because they're this domain rank, which tools are building based on what they think the 7,000, I don't know how many variables that Google's using is actually the ones. Do you think that that carries weight or should drive your direction at all? It can, yeah, for sure. The thing, though, that probably drives more is the idea of inertia. A site that is in in position one is more likely to stay in position one the longer it's been there. And so it might not be that they've got all these links. It's more likely the time. And it, and it takes a lot to, to move someone because of that time. So, you know, you see often like some tools will tell you all you need are 10 backlinks for a particular term, which doesn't seem like a lot. And it's not a lot. And then you do those 10 backlinks and you're like, I'm still nowhere near anything, right? And let's say, let's even say in this example, you've nailed your on page. What's likely is that the time that they've been there supersedes the, the the ten links that the tool is telling you that you need to do, and you need to do a lot more than that in order to try to get into this game. So, the number of backlinks is certainly something that, that's something to worry about uh, and something to consider. But when you look at those kind of sticky situations where the site's been there for a certain amount of time, if they've been there a long time. It's going to be really hard to move them off of any spot. I would also say when you look at a SERP, there are ten spots roughly, depending on what type of SERP it is. But that doesn't mean you have 10 opportunities. You'll often see different types of sites in the SERP. You'll see national sites and local sites. And so when you look at a particular SERP, there might only be two local sites. And if you're a local business, that probably means you only have two spots that you're going to have an opportunity to get. And a lot of people discount that. They think like, oh, there's 10. I, I have an opportunity to get to you. Probably not. You probably look, when you, when you gauge the sites that are there, the ones that look most like you, that's probably the number that exists. And so you're not shooting for 10 spots, you're shooting for two. And you need to like kind of go after those in particular to really have a chance to, to hit page one. And the other thing that's very frustrating is those two on that local might be in spot 10 and spot eight. And so you're never going to get to the, the top of the fold for that particular term because those spots just don't exist for your type of site. And that's a very frustrating thing. Now you can ultimately get there, but when we're talking about in a reasonable amount of time and in a reasonable time frame, probably not. Probably not anytime soon or anything that's going to do it. So you really need to look at the landscape to see uh, what kind of site we need, what kind of page we need, and what our opportunity actually is. And when you see that, do you advise a client and say, hey, look, this is just, we, we need to go to, to a longer tail keyword to either make a crack into it and build some credibility because we're just going to waste our time in many ways. You often do need to build that page for that term with the understanding you're never going to get there. 
for that particular term, but people get myopic on one target term. When you have a target term, you also have a page and you're building out it has secondary terms. These are very close variations of it. These are longer tail phrases. These are like people also ask, uh, those types of things. And you need to have those on the page. And there's a very good chance that you could optimize a page for that target term, never hit it, but it becomes a very successful page because you win all of those secondary terms and they bring a lot of traffic. At the same time, a good strategy is going to be about supporting terms. People also ask type questions that really didn't fit on the target page, but they're still in the ballpark are really good for that. And you build those out and link up. What happens is you start winning those terms. You know, they start ranking. So you can kind of build a comprehensive strategy around a term you may never win and still be very, very successful. But what a lot of people do is they only track the ranking of that target term. And they're like, oh, it's a complete waste of time. You know, we never ranked for that term or we're not ranking very well. But meanwhile, the page is ranking for hundreds of terms and it's bringing in lots of impressions and lots of clicks because you built out a, a, a correct strategy. So I wouldn't be deterred by how difficult that term is on its own if there's a lot of opportunity. And most even very difficult terms have a lot of opportunity for those secondary terms that people also ask and then uh, supporting pages you can build out. And for someone listening who may be newer, you really have to build an entire strategy. I have spreadsheets and I don't know what you use for Same. every single page of my uh, on my website. I know exactly what target term we're going after. I'm not saying we execute it perfectly all, all the time, but I don't want duplicates. And one of the things that takes me so long, and it, and it actually takes me a long time, even with, I struggle with podcast titles, to be honest, because podcast titles for us, we do build blog posts. And in order to get the title, I need the keyword, which means I need to go do the research to figure out what I'm going to even target if you really want to be good at this, Kyle, can you comment, talk about a little bit? You can't wing it. I mean, these blog posts for me takes a few hours, not because of the writing. It's because of the research that I got to figure out, okay, well, Kyle's an SEO expert. Let's go see what's on Kyle out there. Where, who's ranking for his name? Who's ranking for SEO? What do we want to promote? And then down select from there what the actual keyword long, Shorter long term, then figure out a title that will get someone interested to actually click and then write this, this sort of for podcasts. I, I, it's really a blog post. People think it's a description, but if you're doing it right and we're going, oh, I'm, I'm leaning more towards a podcast because we're on one and we're talking about it, but you really have to have a strategy because otherwise you could say we're going to do SEO marketing and I've done that six times on my website and now I've just confused Google and now I'm not going to get anywhere. Sure. The one thing that I like and what, I, what I've what i done in SEO is that the majority of our clients are like in fintech, banks, insurance companies, high-level sites. Uh, even if they're not in those regions, they're, they're very high-level sites, but they can't lose their domain. Like we can't say good news, guys. We we built all these PBN links and and we burned the site down. So now you, as the number three insurance company in Canada, now need to get a brand new domain name. Like that's not possible, right? So we have to stay like not even close to the edge, like completely within Google's guidelines because they just can't lose their domain, right? As a result, what we put together is a very strong research based strategy. Our concept is is that we will out research our competitors. Like we can do it better. And, and that's in finding those opportunities. As you, as you said, the, the, the longest part of it is finding the terms to go after because what we know is we have to out research them and produce content you know, and get that content on those terms. And so 
it can't be understated how important that first step is in determining what your target pages are going to be, what your supporting pages are going to be, other pages you're going to do on their site maybe to uh, encourage shares and stuff like that. Like those all, you need to be purposeful, purposeful with what you put on your site. A lot of people just do content for the sake of content. I was told I was supposed to do a people also ask, so I did a people also ask. But who cares? Maybe that was right, but it needs to be part of a comp- comprehensive strategy. It needs to be part of something like that you're doing intentionally for a specific reason. And if you don't have a reason for doing something, then you should probably reevaluate what you're doing. So all that comes back to is, yeah, you need to have research and you, and you need to have a plan. And then the idea is the research helps you execute that plan. And if you don't have the plan, that's when we need to take a step back and figure out what that might be. And that's where maybe um, a consultant comes in to help you talk about like what would be the strategy that would be effective for your type of site. So then you can then get that research going. But yeah, you can't just wing it. You can't willy nilly. You can't do content. For, I, I don't know how much content I've seen for the sake of content. It's 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 quite a lot, and it does absolutely nothing for you. Yeah, and, and there's a narrative from some agencies. I don't know people out marketing gurus out there that say like you just pump out content. Well, there's part of that, but there's also part of if you don't SEO it and you're not going to get traffic from it, then it's you're, it's throwaway. It's just a moment. I've heard a good analogy on, on when you want to get to like topical coverage. So the idea, like what is an authority is actually the site that answers all the questions. That, that's, that's, that's what an authoritative site actually is. But I heard a good analogy with a site, let's say that's about apple pie recipes. And then, okay, you do an article on that. And then you do an article about apples. And then you do an article about apple trees. And then you do an article about orchards. And then you do an, an article about like orange trees. And you can kind of see the progression, how that might work as, as you get through. But once you're into orchards and orange trees, you're so far away from apples and apple pie, and in particular, apple pie recipes, that's probably going to damage you. Now, Google's going to get very confused about what this site is about, you know, because you've strayed so far from the apple pie recipe concept. So you definitely need to get content out. You need to get content out in a good clip, and you need to get content on your subject. But you again, you can't just like, it's close enough, you know, because it might not be. And then that's where like having a real strategy comes together, like that you're putting out content that is purposeful on topic. There's a reason for it, like what you're trying to accomplish with it. And then that's the content you want to make sure you're getting out. I think it's easy to get off track because if you don't have that strategy, I don't want to say people panic, but they react and then they write about the orange tree. And before you know it, you're so far down the orange orchard that you're too far gone. Well, most people in all aspects of their life are living month to month. <laughs> they're living, you know, month to month in their finances. They're living month to month, maybe in their relationships. They're living month to month in their websites. And that's really not the best way to handle it. That's going to cause a lot of stress. But what really anybody listening, whether you've got an SEO agency working for you or you're doing something on your own, you should be at some point of a three month plan. You should have a clear three month plan and you should be somewhere in that three and you should know where you are. And if you don't, I can tell you, when you stop listening to this podcast, the first thing you should do is go write your three, and not just in your head, actually on paper. This month, we're going to do these things. This month, we're going to do that. And you probably want some KPIs maybe before you do this, like what are our goals, where we are, where we're going, and then what are the things that can get you there? But you really should be at some point of a three-month plan. If you're not, then you're just going month to month, and you're just going to end up shading, chasing shiny objects. Uh, you're not going to have a cohesive plan. If you have a down month, you're going to panic. Instead of understanding that you're just part of a longer thing, like down months are okay. Those, those happen. You know, you have flat months, 
But if you if you have a strategic plan, they understand, oh, we're, we're here and we're still going to there. But what happens is, as, as you just said, people become reactionary. They just start doing weird things and it just becomes counterproductive. You waste resources, you waste time, you waste budget, you worry about things way too much. So a comprehensive plan, I think, will solve. And, and a three-month plan that's, that's written down will solve, I think, probably 98% of all people's problems in SEO. I want to switch gears, if it's okay with you, for a minute here and talk about, as we've been talking for most people listening, we've been talking about content, actual blog posts, mm. whatever, pages, articles, whatever the word is. But SEO, at least in my mind, Kyle, has dramatically changed, meaning that page that we are trying to get to the top of now not only has those 10 other content sites, but Google is now putting in videos. They're putting in podcasts. They're putting in answers to questions. They're putting in their maps. And each one of those areas actually has its own SEO rules, let's say, or formula. But before you go down that rabbit hole, you got to figure out, and I'm wondering, and I'm asking you this, it's, it's what I've been contemplating and, and I've been playing around with is, okay, so there's Apple, let's just use your Apple recipe site. There's an Apple recipe site. This thing's, I can't get this thing knocked out for eight months, just not going to move. So now I see, because I think in SEO, you always have to look for the opportunities. I look and I'm like, well, I could actually make a YouTube video on on this apple pie and I could actually wind up as number one or number two rank. Is that something you're seeing and starting to have to put into strategy for companies? Definitely. You need to look at, at what... <laughs> it's a great point. Very few people search for their term that they want. So they pick whatever term it is. And actually look at the SERPs and see the different features that exist. Maybe there's, as you said, maybe there's video. Maybe there's a carousel. Maybe there's a, the people also ask, maybe there's a featured snippet. And there's an opportunity there to put those elements on that target page. And even if it doesn't rank quite well, you could still win those things. Now I can tell you that Google does pull from higher ranking sites. That is, that is very, very true. But there is an opportunity to take a lot of space on those different SERP features simply by putting them on your page and looking at the HTML structure, for example, of say like a list or, or, or a table that is showing up in, in the featured snippet, get that on your site, move it up a little bit higher than they have it on their site, and optimize it just a little bit more, and there's a decent chance you can actually take it. You can still feature snippets. That's not too hard to do. Carousels that show up, that's usually images that are optimized. So you want to go through the sites. You can identify the sites that they're pulling those from, see how they've done it, and emulate that. And then do that all on your, your target page, and that gives you so many more opportunities to rank even if you're not going to do all that well with that target term, you really need to give yourself the best opportunity. We, we just talked about this on the, it's the game of probability. You have to give yourself the best chance and giving yourself the chance is looking at all those things and putting them all on the page to see if you can't rank for this, that, and the other, even if it's not the target term as, as well as you'd like. What do you think of this idea that I've come up with in my head just from watching this progression? So when we started SEO, which really started with math, with the math part, algorithms was, I think Yahoo. And I mean, it was Lycos. It was Excite. It was a lot of these other search engines in the early days. And then Google came along and they just needed to get in the game. They used a 1970s math formula literally as the basis 
to rank it, and then it sort of launches this whole whole new new idea. A lot of this has, in my mind, to do with bandwidth. So in the early days, text made sense because they couldn't serve anything else. Then what I saw the opportunity in SEO was I started seeing pictures show up. So I started to think to myself, well, how can I optimize every single photo, picture, image in my posts to land in that carousel or space? Because Google started putting those pictures for a long block of years right at the top. I mean, because they wanted, I don't know what they, I believe that this is driven by bandwidth because they could serve the pictures. And what I started to do in the early days when this started to happen is, Kyle, I got so much traffic to my phishing website from phishing pictures that it was ridiculous. And everybody was still talking about blog posts. And I'm sort of not laughing, but thinking to myself, I'm getting all this traffic from the picture. They click the picture. The picture has the right tag. It has the right little information. And then the person was going right to the site. Then what happened was videos. And if you're Google, you want to move people to YouTube because it's time on site. Like there's only so much time. As soon as you click that content site, you're off Google. Google wants you in their ecosystem. So then I started seeing the videos, and I did test it. I, was, I, I said, can I bust a top term with a video? And the answer is you can. It can take a minute. You got to sort of seed it. And, and to your point, like, there's some luck in this. I mean, there's just luck. You just get lucky, and then you build on that. Then I saw map, and maybe it wasn't video. Maybe it was pictures, maps, answers to questions, snippet and then video, and now I've seen podcasts because I can see the traffic mm. from, I see probably more from video. I think podcast is, Google's sort of trying to figure that out because they're not in the lead as podcast player. I mean, they barely show up in listens, and that may that may change, which they could change themselves, but, so that's how I've seen the progression. What do you, What's your theory on on how this has progressed? Because it's made this whole thing more complicated because then if you're an SEO person, and a client comes to you and I say, hey, Kyle, I want to rank for apple pie recipes. It's no longer we're going to build. We might have to build blog posts, but we also might have to build videos. We might have to, I mean, do pictures. We might have to build all of these things, which just makes it more complicated. Yeah, if somebody said they wanted to rank for that term and I can see that their site isn't like some extremely high-ranking cooking site now, we'll tell them we're, we're not going to do it. But you're exactly right. You want to see... You stay on top of those opportunities. You need to put as much as you can on the page that can rank in different places. You know, you can even take that to, to different search engines. You know, if you're doing pictures and you're crushing it, that's Pinterest. That's, that's Instagram. You know, and you can get traffic from all those other places as well. So while Google's popularity, I think, has dipped to about 104% of the market share, I think you can still get a lot of traffic from other sources. So even if you're doing it with, really with the idea of, I want to get into this carousel, you know, with this image, or I want to rank well in, in Google Images, which is is, is a, a valid thing to do. You can also then repurpose that. That's stuff that goes on Instagram. It goes on Pinterest. You can make little videos at it. So now you're in like Reels and TikTok and, and those kind of things. So yeah, you, you definitely want to maximize as much of that media as you can because it's going to help you in Google. It's going to help you in, in all those other ways as well. And, and potentially, I, I know some sites that are just crushing it on Pinterest and they don't do anything in Google. They make a decent amount of money, you know, like, those are still opportunities for sure, depending obviously on niche and stuff like that. But yeah, you can definitely, and you should take advantage of, of everything you possibly can. 
are you sticking with Google right now as a SEO expert? Are you have you moved over into these other platforms to try to figure them out as well for your clients? Still Google. I mean, it still has such a high market share. It's hard to justify for say your average client in terms of budget to to experiment with a platform that may or may not be here in a couple of years. And I don't think let's say something really let's say TikTok really takes off and it becomes a viable search engine for people. It, it's not too late. You know, you didn't miss the bus on any of that. So I would still invest my strategy, my organic strategy in in Google, but there's probably budget for other things to do reels and shorts and TikToks and stuff like that. Like that's that's still very doable. That's doable as a I think a separate thing. Before I would do it to optimize specifically for organic traffic. Because at the end of the day, organic SEO, whatever search engine, I mean, Google could get beat at some point. Fingers crossed. There's, if somebody could take like 20% market share, we'd all make a lot more money as SEOs because now there's two things we have to optimize for. So I'm all for it. I'm really hoping. Are you not paying attention to Bing? Because Bing's probably got, what, 5%? I, I, I talked to someone the other day who said, well, we're doing Bing. And I, and I, was, and I said, well, for the Bing, for the buck, ROI perspective, are you actually delivering that ROI? Is it an opportunity? Well, so Bing actually runs a lot of other search engines like DuckDuckGo, for example, is, is in Bing. There are several others. So uh, like AOL, I think is Bing. Comcast, like if you're, if you go onto your page for your um, cable company, that's probably Bing. If your market is like maybe like 60 and over, the data says that those people don't change their browsers. And so that would be an opportunity perhaps if that's who you're shooting for. But what I have found is if you dial in your on page for Google, you get Bing and you do pretty well because Bing is mostly on page. I think they have some link graph going on, but it's not nearly as complex as what Google's is. So if you can dial in your on page and you can maybe even just think of it in terms of Google, you're going to do pretty well in Bing is, is my experience. So I wouldn't stress too much in terms of like we're going all in on Bing. Conversely, though, I have seen some people that do very well in ads. You know, there are some ads that perform quite well in Bing, and they're significantly cheaper than, than Google Ads or other platforms. So again, if, if your audience might be there, that, that could be a real opportunity to get some great traffic and get some conversions where your competitors might not be. Are you doing anything in YouTube? Very little. In YouTube itself? Very, very little. In the agency, we've really drilled down to we are organic and that's really what we do. So if you want to do ads, you want to do YouTube, you want to do Pinterest, you want to do whatever, that's great. But we're really not, that's really what we have. So I haven't spent, I personally, as a result, I personally haven't spent a lot of time looking into how to optimize those things as well as, as maybe I could. As we start to wrap up, I'd love to have you in the studio because you and I probably talk about SEO and a lot of things that we didn't talk about today for, for hours that would be really interesting and I probably would learn a ton and so would listeners. But as we start to wrap up, I am going to ask you for our three HPTs, three things as it relates to organic SEO. But I want to do a quick exercise. And in the beginning of the show, you said there's four things that basically really started off listeners with, hey, just go do this. You got 60%, whatever. The, it's close enough that you're going to get a good solid opportunity as long as you do some other things that we talked about, which was keep track of all of this stuff in the sense you got to keep track of your keywords, you got to do the research. As long as you do that and you do, I'm going to try to repeat them back to you. You do the, the title in the URL, you do the H1 tag and you only have H1 tag at the top. And then you do your paragraph tags. Basically, you have that keyword in there at some density level 
What's the fourth? It's not even some density. Even just one time is fine. But yeah, so in the URL, in the title tag, which is uh, like if you use WordPress, sometimes they call it the meta title, your H1, and then in paragraph tags, P tags. The P tags is an important thing because sometimes if you're using one of the modern page builders, they put everything into a div tag rather than proper HTML. And you actually, that devalues the content. So you want to make sure as you're writing the meat of your page that it is actually in paragraph tags and you want your keyword in there. So URL, title tag, H1, paragraph tags. And then the caveat is that let's say you've got a page right now that's doing pretty well and your keyword isn't in the URL, don't change your URL. If you change the URL, you're giving Google a brand new page and there's no guarantee that you're actually going to get the ranking back that you did. So only do that on pages that aren't ranking right now or pages that you build going forward if you realize that your target term isn't in the actual URL. But otherwise, those are the four top places. And just uh, there's a nuance that you went over. There's probably some people who use WordPress. There's the title of the page in WordPress if you use the native, and then there's the H1 tag. You, you really need to have it in both places because in some templates, that title does not show up and is hidden, but is actually Google's reading it. That's correct. The The title tag is the title that search engines read, and typically that's the title that shows up in search results. And let me make it easy. The title that you show a search engine and the title you show humans should be the same title. They don't, don't get clever. People really try to out-clever it for some reason. But think about if you looked at the first page in a book and it listed all the chapters and you saw the title for chapter four, and then you thumb through and get to chapter four and there's a different title. It wouldn't make any sense, would it? Like you'd be like, well, the the front of the book said it's supposed to say this, and now I'm looking here and it says that. What what are we doing? It's the same thing. Make the the title that you you give to Google the same title that you give to the human. So the page title and your H1 should be the same. The only difference oh, that's because- the only difference might be in your title tag. Maybe you have your brand in there. You know, you have the the title of the page, pipe, brand. That's fine. But then after that, everything else should be the same. I was going to say people do that, and I know because I've fallen into it's fine. That's fine. Stuff. Do that. Search stuff keywords, right? And and you want to do that. But here's the question: Now that we've set it up, thank you for going over those. What's five and six? From an on-page perspective, that's going to be your H twos and H threes. Those are the sections on your page. A good page is broken up into sections because humans like to read like that, and so do search engines. And the other would be a clickable link on the page. This would be a clickable link going anywhere you like. Typically, somewhere else inside your site, but that Google will read that that te- the text inside the link, and that is a very strong signal. This is counterintuitive because people think like, well, if I'm putting something in there, Google's going away. But actually, the the, the hypertext, the clickable text, is a strong signal. It's probably as strong as an H2, and you want to make sure that you've got something on your page. So, two ways that you can do that would be one through, like, say, a table of contents because that's going to have what's going on on this page, and that's going to be hypertext, and that's clickable. And you can put keywords in there as, as, as the sections on your, on your page. The other way to do it would be like, if you really liked the information about keyword, you might also like information about other keyword. And then in that way, you've got clickable text that's keeping people in your site, but also gets that clickable text that Google really likes and is a very strong signal. So that's, that's in terms of on-page. After that, though, you really want to see how a page performs. So you've done your tweaks, you, you've launched it, you want to think about cache dates. A cache is a picture that Google takes of, of your page. A cache date typically, typically takes five to seven days, somewhere in there. You really know if you've done something effective in on-page after two to three caches, so somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 21 days. After you've done that, then you know like maybe we need to do more tweaks to this page, or 
if it's ranking well, you've gone as far as you, as you can. And that's where you want to think about some external signals. So make changes, give it time, give it two to three weeks, see how it goes, and then decide if you want to make some changes to that page in terms of on-page or if you it now is the time to go after some off-page signals. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And that's sort of, uh, we probably do a whole show on inter- internal linking because there's there's some things that you really need to do. Internal linking is important in your passing power. And we've allu- you've alluded to it throughout. You're passing power to your other pages, but you do need to have a strategy around that probably listed in your spreadsheet that says, what am I going to link to? 100%. So you only get three, you only give to someone three SEO tips. And I know you said four things are important, but these could be high level. It could be things we talked about. It could be things that we didn't. What three HPTs do you give people for SEO? All right. So Search Console is a free tool from Google. You can go in and you can see how your page is performing in uh, your site and your pages are performing. A really great thing to do is to look at the pages that you have that are, are ranking for terms and go through and look at terms that are like on page three, page four, page five of Google and the ones that are that look really good to you. like They would really be great for your site. But what you want to look for are those ones that are on page three, page four, page five, you know, ranking Google, but are not on the page that they're ranking for. It's a great opportunity to create a new section on your page with an H2, put that term in, and then watch that page go, watch that term go from three, four, five up to page one. Google likes your page for that term, and if you can just get it on there, you're going to do really, really well. What you'll find is if you do this as part of your regular strategy, you can probably start to increase the traffic to your site by 1% to 2% a month without doing really any extra work other than adding a paragraph here or there to pages on your site. That's one tip. Do you have another? Next one. Do also in Search Console what's called a CTR, click-through rate by rank report. So you'll read these white papers that'll tell you if you're in the number one spot, you should get 30% of, of all the clicks. And if you're the number two spot, you should be whatever. Those are garbage. What you want to do is actually figure out what your CTR is for your site. So you can, from Search Console, you can download all the terms you rank for. And you can download them by their ranking position and what their click-through rate is. Now remove all the branded terms. So whatever the brand is for your site, just take all those out. So you just want the terms that you're ranking for, the position that you're they're ranking in, and the CTR on the end. And then what you can do is you go, go through and figure out what your expected click-through rate is for all your terms at number one, all your terms at number two, and all your terms at number three, etc. And you can find out what your actual click-through rate is for your site. Then you want to go through and you want to find terms that are underperforming. For example, you might find that you've got a term ranking in the fifth spot, so you did all that work. It's ranking in the number five spot, and the click-through rate should be 10% based on your site, but the click-through rate you're actually getting is 5%. That means you're leaving 5% of clicks on the table. That probably just means adjusting the title a little bit or adjusting the meta description to match the search intent. So at this point, you can actually start to gain clicks by not really doing any SEO. You've already done the hard work. Now you're actually getting the clicks that you should be getting for these terms. Again, if you start to do this, part of your process is, again, can raise your, your traffic by 1% to 2% without doing any heavy lifting. You've already done the heavy lifting. You've already got the ranking. Now you're just getting the expected clicks that you should be getting for that position. But you wouldn't know that unless you know what your expected clicks are for your site and then also identifying the terms that are, 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 are leaving clicks on the table. 
So those are two strategies right there that you can do that will have a real dramatic impact on your site without really needing a, a fancy SEO tool or any fancy SEO strategy. It's just Search Console and doing a little bit of research. The last tip is identifying power pages on your site. A lot of people have content that they have written and it's taken off and they don't even really know it. You know, it's ranking for terms, it's getting impressions, it's getting clicks. Maybe people started linking to it. Like you didn't do any effort. Like you just put up good content. It's, it's that situation where good content worked, you know, and then all of a sudden it's taking off. You can go through and identify power pages. In Search Console, you can look for the pages that have like the highest number of impressions. If you're using a third party tool like SEMrush or Ahrefs or Moz, Majestic, something like that, you can find the ones that have a surprisingly high rating for the, the power of the page. What you can do with that is you can then add a link at the very top of that page, say in the first paragraph, to a page you really care about and watch that page perform really, really well. It's essentially like going out and getting a backlink outside your site, but now it's inside your site because you've identified these power pages and you can use that to push up your own pages, again, without spending a lot of money, without it not taking a lot of time. And it's completely within Google's guidelines. You haven't done anything that's going to get you in trouble, but you're going to push up your pages. I give a quick example of this. Way back in 2015, we were hired by this company that did market research, marketing research, excuse me, high level, like their clients were like Boeing. And they had like, so their terms were like aviation market research is what they wanted. And they weren't ranking for anything. They had like 10 of these terms. We realized that they had three years of blog posts that were the most amazing blog posts you've ever seen. They were just on point, giving out great information, but they were doing absolutely nothing with them. And they were getting a lot of traffic out of these things. So they were very popular. So what we did is like, well, okay, we'll take these five and we'll link to that page and these five to that page and these five. And that's basically what we did. And we went through and within a month of their top terms, eight were on page one just from doing that. And this site had a DR of zero, a TF of one. Like it was, it was third party metrics were not doing anything of this because they're not measuring the traffic that's going to these pages, realizing that these pages are valuable. And so just in doing that, we were able to really rock and push their page, their, their terms up to page one. They then fired us because we didn't do anything. All we did were add links to their existing pages and they didn't really think that was SEO. So it was, that was the best failure I've ever had. <laughs> but the point is, it doesn't matter what a third-party metric says about your particular pages. You can find pages that are performing very well and then inside your own site, you can use them to push up other pages that you really care about. And it can go a very long way, again, without doing really any heavy lifting, any extra SEO, without going outside of just taking advantage of what's already there, what you've already done. Those were awesome, Kyle. You actually, and, and we didn't talk about it, but you have a tool that you developed that people can download and use for on-page SEO. Does that is that a plugin for WordPress? Is it a separate tool? How does that work? I just want to mention it because if a listener is listening to this, I think you've established your credibility that you're you're an expert in SEO. And and if you built the tool, we probably want to use it because you would probably be using it internally before you released it and figured out you might want to run a little SaaS business. Well, that's exactly what I did. The tool came just from working inside the agency. It's called Page Optimizer Pro. It's a SaaS tool. Basically, put in your page. We pull the competitors and kind of tell you what you need to put on your page to to be not just competitive, but to beat them. We do what we call edge analysis. We do have a WordPress plugin, so you can get your information right within WordPress. We have a Google Docs uh, plugin as well. So like, if you, if you download, you can actually then kind of work wherever you're working. But yeah, 
feel free to check it out. If you like what you're talking about, people, like, where do people get that? I, I want to be able to direct uh, Swimjoptimizer.pro. They can also go to kyleroof.com too, if that's easier. And my stuff is there. So you can see like the community where I have my courses and the software and then the agency as well. This has been awesome, Kyle. Really grateful for you coming on and, and actually sharing real information that someone can take after they listen to this thing and actually make a difference. If anybody is just starting and you listen to this episode and re-listen to it and you come away in three weeks saying this stuff's really hard, it is really hard. And the hard part is, is it's execution and it's staying on course and actually executing the plan. And that's where people get off course. So Kyle, thanks a lot, man, for taking time out of your day and sharing all this stuff. I'm going to re-listen to this show myself to get back up to speed. And well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on. This was, this was great. I had a lot of fun. Bye, everyone.